Welcome back to another episode of Things My Friends Know. I'm your host, Lisa Lindenfelser, and I'm here to talk with my friends about their passions. In today's episode, we chat with Ryan about his obsession with technology and how tech companies are changing our world. Hello and welcome. And we are here today with Ryan. Ryan, thank you for being here with us. Of course. Thanks for having me. So Ryan, we're here today to talk about the technology field and your passion for the technology field. And you live at work in the technology field and now you follow it outside of work as well. So tell us what you enjoy about the technology field. Why is this such a passion for you? Um, I think why it's such a passion for me is it's constantly changing and it's always um, evolving, which Mm. is fun. Um, I, in both personal and professional life, don't like to be doing the same thing over and over again. And Mm -hmm. I think that shows itself in the technology world as well. Constantly innovating, constantly figuring out better ways to do stuff. I think all of it is just fascinating to, to watch and follow. That's good. So you're basically just like the ultimate nerd where you're excited (laughs) about efficiency gains and streamlining and whatever buzzwords we have to use at work all day, every day. You're just a nerd. You just get excited about that stupid shit. Yeah, I feel like this is my nerdy side because like <laughs> I, I I don't game. I like watch sports every now and then, but like most of the I guess I don't re- I don't really like to read. Um, so technology is kind of my nerdy passion, if you will. But you do read, and you read about technology. I I've forced myself to read. <laughs> I I think last year I set a goal for one bu- one book a month, and I made it three months I think I mean that's admirable so I I don't know that I would classify myself as a reader yet do you set a new year's resolution for reading for 2021 I almost forgot what year it is (laughs) (laughs) I did I set basically the exact same goal how's that Um, been going so far I'm one book down I have purchased a second book for February. Look I have not you. touched it yet, though. And it's so. February 6th today. Um, so you're. it seems like you're definitely on track for that one book a month. Yeah. The most recent tech book I think I read, was, I, I'm really into like the biography. So I like read Steve Jobs' book. Of course. Um, I know. <laughs> uh, and then I think I read one other around like Pixar and the uh, the entire technology that goes into making those movies was that interesting like do you want to share anything about the pixar book that you thought was fascinating i was i guess in general shocked about how much is involved from a technology perspective i think Mm. i don't know i feel like this is probably goes without saying because they're all animated films Mm -hmm. but it was like the advanced animating that went into it was just really cool to to watch or to to read I guess Mm -hmm. Um, and then how they plan out and develop like their entire storylines I think was just very interesting from a movie aspect because most of the time you think of it in like a consumption standpoint of like media and all all Mm -hmm. that but do you have a favorite Pixar movie Oh, I love Toy Story. Um, and I also am a big fan of the original Finding, Me- Finding Nemo. Mm. I think that's Pixar, right? 
<laughs> you're asking the wrong person. Pablo is nodding his head. Yes. Okay. So we'll trust his judgment. Pablo is our researcher. So if it's not right, it goes Beautiful. on Pablo's record, not mine. Fact check Pablo. <laughs> like it. I have to ask though. So you, you said you read the Steve Jobs book. The big question has always been, are you a Jobs fan? Or are you a Wozniak fan? Ooh, I am definitely a Jobs fan. Can we pause for right. a minute? Like I've never heard the name Wozniak. I do not know who that is. So basically, Steve Wozniak, right? Yeah. Yeah. He he did the technical work for the most part. For Apple? For Apple, yeah. And then Steve Jobs was like the visionary or what? I think that's an accurate way to describe it. So He really pushed the boundaries. So you, yeah. you're going with Steve Jobs, Ryan? Yeah, I'm pa- a Jobs fan. Pablo, do you have a preference? I don't know. I guess I don't know that much about what actually went down like i haven't read any of the books or the drama or watched the movies or anything but i mean from looking at it face value i'd probably say wozniak just because it's amazing what he was able to come up with not that what steve did wasn't it was just so they had beef there was like drama yeah Yeah. i I think there was a little bit of drama just because like i think wozniak if i'm remembering correctly wanted it to go one way um and it was kind of set on like the like the original thing that he had built the computer um and mm. jobs was kept pushing other avenues and like uh mm. just the company in general and so i think it got to the point where he was just like this is no longer the company that i thought it was going to be or that i kind of helped build and get off the ground yeah I think that's how like if you've seen the movie or read the book uh ready player one mm-hmm the the creator of that that game or that universe they lived in like mm-hmm. the fight he had with his friend that helped him create the game is like a microcosm of the relationship oh, wow. interesting outside no of idea. like the the love relationship piece that came involved but yeah did you read ready player one ryan i have not i have it's not read nor watched the movie the movie's terrible the book is great um <laughs> good to know <laughs> I mean, I'm always like, I'm always on the camp of like book first, always movie second. Really? Yes. I just think, well, number one, um, I struggle with movies in general because my attention span is not long enough for a two hour movie. And most movies at this point are like minimum two and a half hours, probably more like three hours. And I just like cannot handle, (laughs) I cannot, I cannot focus for that amount of time. So you can focus more for reading a longer book? Yeah, because you read in spurts. Like if I read 20 minutes a day or an hour a day, it's like not that big of a deal. But like, who's going to watch 20 minutes a day of a movie? No one. That's fair. All right. That's fair. (laughs) Plus the book was just, I feel like the, the movie, because it has to, leaves out a lot of details and like, you know, like relationship vibes that cannot be captured in the movie genre because of, they can't go past like three hours. Otherwise people are just not going to be committed. So Yeah, and I think you have like more of a shorter attention span to gain with a movie. Yes. And so they leave a lot of the like very important details of a situation yes. out because it's not interesting or it's not like compelling to watch. Mm-hmm. Whereas a book, you're more invested. Exactly. In exactly. No, that makes total sense. But since we're on the topic of Steve Jobs and Wozniak, you know, this is something that I give you a hard time about almost every day of our lives, especially at work when you're complaining about something not working. And I tell you, it's because of your stupid Mac. You are a huge fan of Apple, like obsessed beyond belief is how I would categorize it. So tell us, like, what's the big deal? Like, why Apple? Uh, First, I would say I think that is 
an accurate description of my obsession <laughs> for Thank Apple. You. Um, as much as it, it's hard to admit. I love everything about Apple. Um, I think I got my first iPhone when I was a freshman in high school. Wow. Um, and I am definitely one of those people that carries and keeps all of his Apple boxes. I have an entire closet dedicated to all of my Apple boxes. What? Why? Can um, we just let, let's just, let's just pause. So you have an entire like closet or area of your apartment that is dedicated yeah. to empty boxes from Apple products. Yep. I have the, the oldest one I think I have is the iPhone 4. Uh, iPhone 4S or something like that. Yeah, they just sit there and it just feels wrong to throw them away. Why? I don't I don't know. And because they I packaging is beautiful, the materials are nice, not to mention that most of their devices are a thousand plus. So I've like invested a lot of money in purchasing the thing and the box is part of the experience as well. And it's just it feels wrong. I mean, I think you have to <laughs> As a person who doesn't use Apple products, Pablo and I are divided household. Pablo uses Apple. We record this podcast on a Mac. He has an iPhone, actually two iPhones. Um, I've only had an iPhone one time and it was because I had a work phone. Um, and that was the only time I've ever had an Apple product. So we are a divided household. I, what I have to ask, like, you know, you're mostly just paying for the brand, right? Like the technology in and of itself is not all that different than other products, right? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. I, I also am like a huge Apple fan knowing that there are so many pieces of their products that I hate that are just like really obnoxious in how locked down they keep everything. And like, mm -hmm. you have to be in the entire ecosystem. With that being said, I am one of those people that buy just about every single new product that they have um, and continue to suck my way into the uh, into the ecosystem as a whole. That's commitment. So it's interesting. Yeah. That's commitment. It's interesting. I mean, like technology is a pretty competitive market, if not the most competitive nowadays. And I mean, everybody has bad products. Everybody has good products, right? Like they weren't the first ones to come up with like the AirPods that you're wearing. Like they weren't <laughs> the first ones to come up with Bluetooth headphones, but damn, they're probably the best ones. And I, I would never want to buy any other ones. Like they sync to your phone. You put one ear out. It stops playing music. You can talk on calls. Like it just kind of depends on the product. Yeah. I think for me, that's like the biggest piece is the, you touch on like the uh, connectivity AirPods, just working with my, with my phone or my computer or my Apple TV or whatever it may be. And it's the same thing. So I have Apple fitness plus that just came out recently and that's what I used to work out with and just syncs with my Apple watch. And it's just like so easy. I don't have to think about it. And as someone who is like pretty tech savvy, I feel like it would be even more beneficial for like the elderly folks who don't have that like knowledge that it just works. My right. grandparents love their iPad and it's just, it's there. And I think that's part of it for me is having everything connected. Yes, they keep it locked down, but it just makes life so much easier for yeah. me, I guess. It's very seamless. Like, yeah, yeah. You can see something on your iPad, then see it on your phone, connect your AirPods. It's just everything all in one. So you would say that the reason that you are so into the Apple space is because of that interconnectivity between all of the different technology products that you own from them. 
Yes. Um, I think that plays a huge part. So for instance, like you texted me right before this, the Zoom link, mm-hmm. and I received it on my phone, but it was on my iPad. It was on my Mac. It was on my watch. Like it's, it's all of those locations. And so as soon as I opened my computer to join the Zoom, that text message was right there. And I didn't have to like forward an email. I didn't have to like have you send it to some other location. It was just synced all across. Mm. And I think that's wonderful. (laughs) That definitely (laughs) offers that efficiency that you care about so much. Exactly. All about the efficiency. (laughs) Anything to make my life easier. Is there anything else about Apple that really draws you in other than that piece of being so easily connected to all of the other product lines? Yeah, I think so from a design standpoint, I think they match a lot of my call it aesthetic, although sometimes I hate that word. Um, I think like the cl- the cleanliness of all of their products, just like the, uh, and I have space gray, everything like that color to me is beautiful. Um, and then even in their new offices, they're like spaceship that they've built out in California. They built a spaceship? Yeah, it's like this massive ring. It's like, yeah, Google it. It's, it's called the Apple. It's Apple Park, I think is what it's called. And it's literally nicknamed the spaceship because it's this massive ring of a headquarters. And it was like $5 billion or something like that. But it is just beautiful. Like it's wow. so like it's all glass. It's all like natural elements. And then the entire middle part of it is all nature and uh, walking paths and all that stuff. And I think just visually, it's beautiful as well. And it's just, like you said earlier, the brand too, like it's a, it's a status symbol in some ways. Um, mm. And I think I go into that a little bit. So when you talk about it being a status symbol, what do you mean by that? Well, I think so when I was younger um, and got my first Apple product, it was one of those things that like, I guess not everyone, like, I I think a lot of it is like those fashion brands Mm. as well. Um, Like a lot of people wear specific clothes or bags for that status or that like logo. Mm -hmm. And I think Apple kind of has a a little bit of that as well. I think they've broadened it a little bit with things like an iPad that are a little bit more affordable and Mm -hmm. uh, more easily accessible. But I think back when they had more of a slimmed down product line, it was seen more of that that status of like, these are higher end products um, Mm -hmm. that appeal to me. So what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing you say is that you're an elitist. There, there it is. I was, I was trying really hard not to come across that way, but I knew you were going to say it anyway. I'm just giving you a hard time, but I mean, I think, I, I think I understand what you're saying. Like, especially in a capitalist society, there is something associated with owning certain things reflects the level of comfort that you have financially, whether it's owning a house or living in a yeah. certain neighborhood. Apple it kind of offers the same thing where it's just showing that you have, I don't know, that you're, you're stable financially. Yeah. I think I, I think that's fair. I think, like I said, I think they've broadened it out a little bit more recently, like AirPods blew up. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so many people, uh, have those now. Um, and a lot of their iPhones that they come out with now, I think the most recent one, they had four different versions. So like a cheaper version, um, and it was a little bit smaller and then they've Mm -hmm. got like the higher end all the way to the top. So I think they're trying to make it more accessible, which is awesome all for that. But when I kind of first got into it, 
it was more slimmed down and mm -hmm. one iPhone that was just really expensive. But yeah. I would say too, like I could be kind of wrong, but I find it pretty interesting in the sense that like with Microsoft, it's always been like a business platform. It was meant to make companies be able to get their spreadsheets and do all these different mm -hmm. things where it seemed like Apple from day one has always been kind of focused on the general consumer, just people mm -hmm. in everyday life, not necessarily like helping companies get richer necessarily. Not yeah, that they don't I, do things to help that, but like, you know, initially like that's not necessarily their mindset. So they're trying to help everybody and try to build a platform that does everything to help everybody with their everyday lives. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, another good example of that with Apple is their big stance on privacy. And this could be this could be big uh, controversial, but um, they're rolling out this new privacy thing that kind of prompts a user to let them know that this app or this website is tracking them and you can either opt in or opt out. And mm. they've had a lot of that mindset of like, that's okay if people want to opt into it, but at least make it transparent to your point of like making it about the user and not about the company who needs that tracking information for their advertising budget or whatever it may be. And I think they've really doubled down recently on privacy to have the user in mind so that they at least are aware of all of these things that are tracking you. And so, especially in the world of big data, all of that, which is completely, I know Facebook has come out and said, you're going to destroy our business. I think Google has come out mm. and said, you're going to destroy our advertising. And so they're definitely not looking at it from like a helping other businesses perspective. Right. It is hundred percent about the user in that instance. I mean, do you think that there's any ulterior motive there other than giving the user better information about how their information is being used? In terms of like opt opting in? Yeah. Like you talk about how it didn't help any other businesses like Google and I'm sure Amazon and other companies like that are not pretty pumped about what Apple is doing in the privacy sector, like in, in terms of users understanding their privacy and how their data is being used. So why do you, what do you think the ulterior motive is there? Like, it's a huge company. They make tons of money. So I guess what I'm asking is, yes, it's coming across as giving the users better control over how their data is being used. But what what is it about for Apple? That's a great question. I think there has to be some motive. Like I said, I'm a huge Apple fan, but I also 100% realize that like they do a lot of shady things. Some of their products are not like great and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. there has to be some angle for them to do this. And part of me thinks that like, I'm wondering if because they're on the device already, Apple already has some of that information that is very key to them. So they don't oh. need that prompt. Yeah. Um, and so that they're like already gap capturing that information just by using the device. Whereas the Google, Facebook, they, they need you to opt into that because you're not on one of their devices already. That's yeah. just an assumption of mine. I have no idea if that's true or not. But like you said, there, there has to be some angle um, from a business perspective for Apple um, yeah. to go to go to war with the Google, the Amazon, <laughs> the, the Facebooks of the world. Yeah, it's just I mean, I don't I think your your guess makes sense, because if you are using Apple products and everything that you do from the iPad to a Mac to, you know, like the the headphones to anything really, they're probably getting all of that data just by you using us the same product in every single aspect of your life. Right. There has to, and even like, as I was mentioning with Apple fitness, like now they have my health data as well. Like yeah. they know the, the calories I've burned on this workout. They know mm -hmm. what they're doing with that information. I have no idea if they can even see it. I don't know. Um, but 
there has to be some aspect of that. So I think we mentioned something that I wanted to ask you about because it is timely, uh, Amazon. So this week, Amazon announced that their CEO, I believe, Jeff Bezos, was stepping down. And I know this is something that you were particularly interested in being an aficionado of the tech space. So what do you think about that? I don't know a ton about it other than that he stepped down. So tell us about it. Tell us what you're thinking. Like, give us the scoop. Yeah, so I did. I, I haven't done like a ton of research on it. I have seen a couple articles from various platforms basically saying that the title will change, but his involvement won't. So, mm-hmm. like, it'll essentially look like the same type of Amazon. I think it is very interesting. I think uh, it's interesting anytime you have a CEO like Bezos who has basically built Amazon now mm-hmm. move into another capacity and what that means for the future of the company. And so, with the way that Amazon has shifted and just blown up in the last five, six years, Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see how a new person takes that on and what kind of vision that they have for the company and where they continue to grow or not grow or what that means. I also think too, I was reading a couple articles around just the whole like monopoly issues. Mm -hmm. I forget what the exact name where all four of the big tech companies had to go to trial and they're talking about how it, how that's going to be a big challenge for any new person coming in to say, that they're facing all of these talks of potentially breaking companies up mm-hmm. and what that might mean for someone like Amazon who has slowly taken over the world. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, because Amazon has come under a lot of fire recently, but also probably since the beginning about how they treat their employees yeah. and staff members in like the actual warehouses. So do you think that that was a part of Bezos leaving or not really? I, I feel like the the culture that Amazon had is largely part of Bezos. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to put that lightly, I guess. But um, I don't think he's he, going to listen he, to this podcast. So I, like well, you, I mean, you never know, Lisa, you never know. He's got I'm time on his to... hands now, you know, <laughs> yeah. he know? he's probably just going to build a, a spaceship just like the Tesla guy did. Yeah. I'm not trying to start fights with Bezos <laughs> on a on podcast. Um, but I think, I think that part of it was, is he, he was so focused on like growing and growing mm-hmm. and pushing that it wasn't so much about the, the like culture that he was building. It was more about building a brand and building mm-hmm. his wealth. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I think the the stories that I've heard from Amazon are horrible. Um, mm-hmm. I have vowed to never work at Amazon um, because I think the way that they treat their employees is disgusting mm-hmm. um, and just doesn't seem like a very ethical part. And I would love to be proven wrong by anyone who uh, <laughs> who works at Amazon and absolutely loves it because I have heard quite the contrary. Interesting. And like kind of speaking to him focused on building his wealth, um, just like any other big wig in the tech industry or in any industry, really. Um, I remember you telling me about an article that you read about people being able to just like understand and quantify how much money they actually yeah. own. Will you tell me about that article? I don't remember a ton about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to remember the data off the top of my head. Um, so that was basically saying that if you, if you took a million seconds, I think it was, I think mm-hmm. it was a million seconds, you were looking at about 11 days. And if you took a billion seconds, it was like years. It was like a, a, like oh, wow. 15 years, I think. And, and they were trying to show the scale of the difference. And I've seen um, a couple of TikToks as well. Uh, this guy just painstakingly counts out uh, grains of rice. 
Wow. And he has he counted out a million grains of rice and compared that to a billion. And it's just, it's not even comparable. They're completely two wow. different piles. And I think it's all to show the scale of even just a billion um, and how that's just not, not needed. That's crazy. So the article was really focused on how there's no one in the world, no matter what they're doing, that needs more than a billion dollars. Was that the point? Yeah. And I think it was, uh, it, it was part of that and also just part of trying to visualize in a better sense, the difference. Cause I think a lot of people, and my, I, I would say myself included, look at the difference of a, a, a million and a billion and mm-hmm. like, yeah, there's a difference there, but you don't really understand the how difference. And difference? So that, yeah. So it was partly putting into perspective, like this is how much these people actually have. Yeah. Um, and, and most of these companies looking, are multi-billion, not just $1 billion. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say like Bezos, I think is 150 oh, billion. Um, and it's, just insane. Um, he can't even pay you, his workers like an, a livable yeah. wage, but he has multi-billion dollars that he's living with. Right. And I think like they, in that same article, I think they were talking around just the amount it would take to like cure world hunger and like mm-hmm. some of the poverty things. And I think those, uh, I, I've gotten more interested in to those articles as well. Just when you put into perspective, all of these multi, multi-billionaires who could essentially solve a world problem mm-hmm. by Even themselves. Even just one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, and it's interesting too, because I think it kind of takes us into the tech field in a different space. Um, not trying to like say that technology is bad or anything like that, but technology really appeals to a certain type of group of people, like people who mm-hmm. have enough money to spend something on an iPhone or even a a Google phone or whatever phone or laptops or tablets or whatever. It's very discretionary. And so it's interesting, too, to think about the fact that they're really banking on middle class people or even people who may not necessarily need to afford or can't afford it, like but are still like they need to be able to have a phone. They need to be able to have technology and Internet. So it's interesting, too, to think about that piece where. Um, they're basically creating a product that's not made for people who don't have the financial means to afford them, but also are not really addressing that at all. Like it's not like they're helping people who are in poverty. Right. And yeah. And when you think about like the, the internet space, like how many people don't have access to Wi-Fi or cell service, even when you talk about the, the totality of the world. And I think it's spot on. It's an interesting problem that they try to address. And I think that's where you see to some of the like constant updates of mm-hmm. tech is because they know, I would imagine they know there's like a finite population that can actually afford the products and um, need and can use the products. And so they keep churning out updates to mm-hmm. innovate and all those kind of things to get those people to buy more um, because you have so many people in the world that don't have access to uh, the things that we are fortunate to have. Yeah. Yeah, like con- connectivity in general has become more and more important because everybody has access to the internet and stuff like that. But I mean, I was actually just looking at um, Elon Musk at this point technically owns over a quarter of all active satellites in space today Whoa. orbiting Earth. That's terrifying. Well, that's that an effort terrifying. with his his attempt to try to make a satellite internet option oh, with okay. SpaceX. Interesting. Well, I didn't know it was that much, though, like that he's kind of owned. I don't think they all are in relation to that. But yeah, it's crazy. I guess wow. he owns like a thousand out of 3,500 active uh, wow. satellites orbiting Earth. 
Oh my lord! That's yeah, that is a little terrifying. About. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is a little terrifying. Good and bad at the same time. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I think that's actually a perfect segue because you have a couple of topics that you're very passionate about, and one of them is electric vehicles, um, which of course Tesla and Elon Musk are known for making more popular in the past few years. So tell me, number one, why are you so interested in electric vehicles? And then just give us the scoop. Like, what about it is so interesting for you? Yeah, so I think the the piece that I'm interested in the most is how they plan to kind of push consumers into the the realm of electric vehicles, mm. um, because there's so much still that has to be figured out, for instance, like, the gas or the the access to charging. I was actually just watching a YouTube video this morning around the sheer difference in availability for charging point points. I think um, the number and I forgive me, I don't know the date that this YouTube video was How published. But they were saying that I know <laughs> awful. They were saying that at the time of the video, there was around twenty seven thousand um, ports or things that you could uh, available to charge an electric vehicle, which is really not compared- that many. Right. Compared to with 156,000 gas stations plus. Um, And so they were talking about that. And so I think it's interesting that like everyone seems to be on the same page around electric vehicles is the the next step. And Mm -hmm. that's where we need to go to to help the environment and like all of these other things. Mm -hmm. But there's still, in my opinion, some very fundamental issues that need to be solved, such as the infrastructure, such as the like long range of these cars and it from practicality's purposes i don't know how like they don't seem to be addressing that as as quickly as i thought they would which is interesting because electric vehicles have become extremely popular i would guess in the past two years or so um we live in the metro detroit area and back when we were commuting to work every day like or even now when we're just running errands, I, I swear we see a Tesla every single time we leave the yeah. house. Um, so they're a lot more popular than they used to be. Yeah, I uh, in, in the Ann Arbor area, I see them all the time as well, especially with the, the college students. But yeah, I think um, I think about, so my home up north Michigan is, I think, just over 300 miles from here. And that's kind of like my, my metric of okay, well, if I needed to go home, like some of these cars, I wouldn't even be able to go to. And then up north, it's a rural area. It's not like they've got Tesla chargers just laying around. (laughs) And that is concerning. And then the other thing that I think about too, is like, if I were to go visit like my parents, then I need to make sure that they have an outlet that I could plug my car into. And then it's just like more and more planning that goes involved with it. And I I also, uh, so last thing too is, I live in an apartment right now and they don't have a charging mm-hmm. thing. And so how would I be able to address that to get a cord running from my kitchen or something out to my car to be able to charge it? I don't, I don't know. Right. And like, you can't like, it's hard for me to imagine that the charging that you need is that the same voltage as what your exactly. kitchen yeah. outlet would be. Right. So I think there's just a lot of like small details that um, if you're in the right situation, I think by all means, like it makes sense. I've got a friend out in Colorado right now who has a charging station at his complex and a charging station at his work. And so he is kind of like in a perfect situation to just be able to go back and forth mm-hmm. and have a charge at all times. Yep. But for a lot of people right now, um, it just doesn't seem that. And then also like you you compare what a minute and a half, two minute fill up of a gas tank right. compared to 30, 45 minutes of a, of a car or electric mm-hmm. car vehicle. And 
those are things to, to consider, which will be interesting to see how they address and get better over time. But still, it still weighs off, I guess, in my opinion. Right. So basically, charging needs to be more universal. And at the same time, someone that's making minimum wage should be able to still be able to buy an electric car because if they can't, the general population will always still be using gas. Right. Yeah. Not there. Yeah. I think that's interesting too, because like when we think about energy for the future and what that needs to look like, I think we've all pretty much acknowledged that fossil fuels should not be the future (laughs) for a lot of reasons. We won't get into that, but it's interesting that, you know, you have Tesla putting a lot of time and energy into individualized transportation when we could also just be looking into more available options of mass transportation. Like I know that there's a lot of interest in having high-speed trains that go across the country to reduce the need for airplanes and also just better public transit. Like even again, you know, like we're working in the Metro Detroit area. So even being able to get from the suburbs downtown, not possible at all with the public transportation that we have here. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, And I completely agree because I think you've heard me talk about this all the time at work. Um, When I lived downtown Detroit, I had the pleasure of taking the Q line every day. (laughs) Um, And I think it does a lot of really good things for Detroit and Mm -hmm. especially like the the people who who are coming in on on an ad hoc basis, essentially for a weekend, for a, a night or whatever. But I lived almost exactly two miles from where I worked to where I lived Mm -hmm. and I took the queue line and it was regularly a 30 to 45 minute trip for me to get two miles. You could walk faster. (laughs) Most of the time I could walk faster. And I think that's like, uh, to your point, there needs to be more, I think, done in the mass transportation aspect to just ease freeways Mm -hmm. and not rely so much on like individualized cars. Yeah but there doesn't seem to be any push for those either. I think there's been like hyperloop trains talked about, Mm -hmm. um, but funding for that is in the billions and billions for like a mile, I think. So, yeah, so it seems to be, um, and then you look at like all of these other countries that have very robust mass transportation systems in all of their cities and we're just not even close because we're so reliant on the car. Well, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about, since you have been so interested in the tech field, is what do you envision the technology space looking like 10 years from now? Yeah, so you sent me these questions ahead of time, (laughs) and I tried tried to think of uh, this one specifically. I think one of the things that I would like to see is, I, I, I would hope for a little bit more or for egos to be put aside a little bit more. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is like, when you when you think about electric vehicles, when you think about all these technology aspects, there are so many of them that are very individualized. So mm-hmm. Tesla, for example, has their own proprietary charger and you can't use their charger with any other, with oh, any other electric vehicle. That sounds like Apple. Apple <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Apple is the same way with their, with their charging. And I would love to see more focus on like the user aspect and just that like connectivity and and consistency across all technology. So that isn't so much like I have to be put into a box of Apple or I have to be put into a box of Tesla. Um, I can kind of mix and match based off of the trends or based off of what I need for my my life. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would like to see moving into the future because it's just, it's very obnoxious having all of these different 
um, even being an Apple fan, all of these different ports and all of this stuff. And then thinking mm -hmm. about electric vehicles, just, oh, there's a, there's a charging station five miles from me, but it's not the Tesla one, so I can't use it or whatever that may be. And hoping to, to put some of those egos aside moving forward. How dare you suggest that? How is um, Apple going to make that extra billion dollars without having everybody have separate chargers from all of the other products that exist? How dare you ask them to give up I, some well, profit? I mean, one real thing that they're going to do, and I know you're joking, but I am also <laughs> joking a little bit as well. Um, they have stopped putting uh, charging blocks in their phones. So you have to buy those separately. So oh, that's my a, that's, goodness. That's what I was going to ask, because it's like, <laughs> normally it's a long-term thing where it's just like, okay, if you have a really old phone at some point in time, you won't be able to be like compatible with everything because they just right. they throw everything in the box when you buy a new one. But now they're not even including it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get, yeah, gotta get that extra $30 somehow, I guess. Completely separate um, for <laughs> environmental reasons, obviously, at that angle. Um, but yeah, that's that's an extra $30 if you need a new charging thing. So they can switch those out re or easily and just have someone buy a new one. Wow. <laughs> I swear I still have like this idea in the back of my head that one day they're just going to like randomly get rid of USB or HDMI just to... Oh, yeah. Just to mess with everyone. Oh, my God. Don't give then, them that yeah, idea, 10 Pablo. 10 years later, then the, everyone's going to have to buy something new. Something can't just work for 20 years. That's crazy right. talk. <laughs> I was I was thinking about that. Um, I was watching a YouTube video around planes, and they all planes have like those USB outlets now mm -hmm. that you can just plug in and put, mm -hmm. charge your phone. That's practically outdated now. Like all of that work that went into putting all of those USB yep. outlets in, and all of the like uh, electrical outlets as well too that have those those plugs. Like all of that stuff is just getting more and more uh, expensive to change that stuff over. Yeah. Yet they continue to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do so. think there's some element to bring us on a more positive note. I have to give them a little bit of credit. <laughs> I think it is really hard to predict what the future will look like in terms of technological advances. Like, I don't think they would have expected that USB was going to be in and out so quickly. I mean, it's yeah. probably been what, like 10 years? I mean, I don't really know. But I do think that there is a level of huge turnaround when it comes to technology because there are so many innovators out in that space. Yeah, I think that's still, I mean, I think the advancements are so rapid that they like, and, and some of it I would have to imagine is by accident and by mm -hmm. playing, by innovating. And so they come across these things. And if you have uh, like a thing, a product, a, an outlet or whatever it may be, that is going to help tremendously in some area, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you pursue it? Right. If, even if that means uh, the cost of switching everything over. So I, I agree. Like it's, a hard balance and every everyone is constantly looking for that next big right. thing um and pushing the boundaries of what's there now but that has costs as well yeah on all angles i really don't think usb is going away though is it i mean like I, does your your apple phone right now even use usb anymore at this point i mean to plug into a charger it does i think yeah, oh, yeah. okay might be might yeah be. So it's they changed the the letters so the first one was USB A, I think that's oh, the yeah. standard oh, one. Lord. And now, now it's like moving. USB C. Or yep, like that. C. Yeah. So it's still within the USB realm. <laughs> uh, it's just moving. <laughs> well, before Lisa wraps it, I have one final question. Oh, my. I'm excited. This is rare for me. How do you feel about the iPhones getting rid of the audio jack? Because there is no audio improvements 
from having to use the same thing you use to plug in your phone to charge it. So to be clear, if you want headphones and to charge it at the same time, it is not possible. Yes, I... <laughs> I feel like your face is turning red right now. <laughs> I think that's a great question. I think that the fact that they didn't have a solution for charging and listening at the same time is amazing to me. I think that is such an oversight um, mm. because it is just obnoxious. I am a big fan of Bluetooth. Um, yeah, I hated cords. Um, so I was a, a big fan of just like moving. It didn't really impact me at all. But I think there are a lot of people, again, just watched a YouTube video the other day of someone who just lives and dies by the, the cords. Like they have to have those. Um, they just don't work with Bluetooth or whatever it was. And the fact that they haven't figured out those types of solutions, I think is uh, a big oversight because that, but that also seems like an Apple thing. Like yeah. they just, they'll, they'll push you in a direction yeah. you either get, get on board or. Yeah. Don't. It was definitely like a market strategy. Like if they can't use actual headphones to plug in, they'll just have to buy AirPods, but it still seems a little aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really is. I will say to, to kind of, I know Lisa, you were trying to keep this positive as a, as an ending note, but. Um, Do it if you can, but. <laughs> I ruined that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I tore that up. I don't, I've already started drinking champagne much more heavily since when we started. So, you know, it is what it is. Who knew it was going to be so dark? <laughs> most, I have the most recent, the most recent iPhone. And one of the big features of it is that you can charge on the back. It's got like this magnetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, thing that you can hook it to. There have been a lot of talks around the next iPhone or the one right after that removing the charging port entirely. Oh, wow. And your your entire uh, charging would be by the magnetic. And so I think that's another type of example is you'll have people, you're pushing a, an agenda, you're pushing a direction that you would like it to go. And you're gonna have a lot of people that are very, very upset with that, but they're trying to go completely portless headphone jack was a couple years ago and now they're probably going to get rid of the the charging as well which will be interesting to see i mean people hate change in general so it's kind of interesting to see like what people really like glom onto and don't let go of versus like what they're going to complain about up front and then get used to and be on board with going forward yeah i think um yeah i think we continue to see a lot of that um and we'll probably see a lot of that moving forward in the next 10 years to go back to your earlier question Mm -hmm. of just trying really aggressive things um and seeing what sticks and what doesn't what people have backlash around and continuing in the name of innovation it's almost fascinating to think about it as more of a study of people and rather rather than a study of technology because it's really about what we do with the innovations they try to push rather than with the innovation itself it's what can we get people to do next like how are people going to react to this next um which is really interesting and fascinating um and it it definitely takes it in a different direction Yeah, I think one of the biggest things has been like figuring out what you can create that people need, but don't know they need. Um, So I think like the smart refrigerators that have started coming out, like Mm -hmm. I think that's a good example. Like no one really thought that they needed um, this touchscreen on the refrigerator, but now people use it for their grocery lists or like to see what's in their fridge and like all of these things that are just making things more convenient. But you come out with it and be like, what the hell is that? I, I don't need that. That is way too expensive. This is stupid. And then Look it's at these slowly... whippersnappers. 
exactly <laughs> yeah crazy it's like they look at you know it's more expensive and they think about what they're taking away from them with the new products but i mean you get rid of audio ports and charging ports there's more space for processors to make things faster yep. or you know they had to get the touch screen going for a long time before they could remove a button and once they remove the button then your screen's bigger and you can see more stuff so it's just being afraid of change and you just think about what's being taken away from you as opposed to <laughs> what they're what they're planning to provide you yeah, in the what future opportunities yeah. it opens yeah. by pushing the envelope yeah so, and that's that's what marketing people are for. Oh yeah, <laughs> to try to, <laughs> to take something away and then try to spin it in a way that makes them that makes the world happy. God bless them. Well, on that note, Ryan, I want to thank you so much for being here today and chatting with us about your passion for technology. It's been fascinating. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of Things My Friends Know. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.